Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, possibly the only podcast hosted by a gay who's frankly done with Mariah Carey before the middle of December. I feel like I should hand my gay card in for that, but honestly, every time I hear that song now, I just want to stick Inset Warfare on or something suitably vile. No, not having that. It's a bang in And there's no song that I can stand hearing as many times as that. Like Wham, great band. Great, that song is actually quite a good Christmas song, but it's not even the 15th of December and I'm already like nope 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 ban them absolute <laughs> I've had enough Whamageddon has gone too far but it's I do find the Mariah Carey song much more objectionable because it's so drawn out and overblown oh yeah it's pompous as tears <laughs> yeah it's it's I am a diva it's music which you know it's fine but not when you're hearing it fucking 15 times in three days. But we're not actually here to talk about Mariah. This is more Magruder grind territory, frankly, uh, because this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast uh, in partnership with Knotfest. I'm Tom Dare, humbug. And with me, as ever, is a man who unusually is worried about a nightmare after Christmas, by which I mean his football team are playing Man City on the 29th. Uh, Matt Rushton, how many Slayer records will you need to get through that? We've got, like, a ridiculous few weeks. I mean, obviously, you know, fixture congestion in December is always mental, but we're playing, like, four of, like, the big six sort of thing. <laughs> so that's fun. I saw you've got Chelsea immediately before Christmas in the cup, yeah. and then Man United the week before. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Got Arsenal as well. I mean, I'm not sure they count, but, you know. Well, oh, God knows. I mean, it depends which Arsenal team is going yeah. to turn up. It's the um, the old cliche about the French national rugby team, although that one's not true anymore because they're just consistently good. Um, anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about the sport either because we'll lose a load of listeners. <laughs> so it's just like we're gays. We're not here for the sport. Um, apologies for being so late last week. By the way, we couldn't record as normal, which made us a little bit late, and then we had technical problems publishing the episode, which made us even later. So thank you for bearing with us. Uh, we begin this week, though. We're going to jump straight in with a side by side. This is where we take a moment someone in metal showed themselves as allies in a way we felt was meaningful. Uh, and this time we're going to look at the time in 2015 when Dillinger Escape Plan celebrated same-sex marriage becoming legal in the USA by releasing a shirt in support of the LGBTQ youth suicide prevention charity, the Ch- Trevor Project. Not the Trevor Project, the Trevor Project. Um, they don't have a, a charity which helps podcast presenters learn to read. Um, first things first as usual, Matt, uh, where are you on Dillinger Escape Plan? Um... I like them. It's usually in smaller doses because it's it's a bit much in it <laughs> a lot of the time. A little bit intense there. Yeah, just, just a little bit. I, I sort of find this with like a lot of like the mafia end of stuff. I do really like it, but I can only last so long. I I have to admit I'm not a fan, and I wasn't even a fan of them live. Hmm. And and uh, I'm not even one of those kind of metal gays. And believe me, there are many, many many of them, who had a thing for Greg Pucciato. It's not really my type. But I, I, from the expression of his face, I think Matt might be one of the ones I'm talking yeah, he's about. He's a nice-looking man. <laughs> I mean, he objectively, no, he's a very nice-looking man. He's just, it's that's not my thing. Um, the, the point, though, is that I'm not saying that to shit on Dillinger. I'm saying it to make the point that these celebrations aren't just about the bands that we think are cool personally, because that's not the point. It's about people in our scene who have done good things for queer folk within metal or without and i don't have to be a fan of dillinger 
to see this and go, this fucking rules. Thank you. You're cool. And I didn't at the time. And I just noticed it and went, yeah, you that rules. Thank you. Fair? Is that, that's kind of where we're going with this, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, don't have to like the Bonds. Just, you know, if they didn't no. call shit for the gays, then let's go. Yeah, and there will be people listening who Dillinger are like their favourite band ever because they were one of those bands, right? I don't know they're defunct now, but there, yeah. there were loads of people for whom Dillinger Escape Plan were the band. Yeah. Yeah, and live as well. Funny what you said about sort of not even being a fan of them live. I never saw them, but they were like, you'd hear so many people saying that they're the best live band on earth, which is quite a statement. I mean, they were certainly most energetic live band on earth because you really didn't know where to look because they were just going everywhere. Yeah. It was, it was it, I mean, it was almost like watching, you know, a band in a washing machine. It just kind of where's everything going? Have you ever seen a cat that's fixated on a tumble dryer or a washing machine going yeah. round and round? Watching Dilda Escape Plan Live was a bit like that. Just because they, it's just what what they're going, where they're going. But if you're not into the music, that's kind of doesn't mean anything. Which I wasn't. Um, I'm much. I've I was always more interested in the bands who well, I still am, who kind of were mesmeric in one place. So the reason neurosis are so terrifying live isn't they're running about the stage; it's they're kind of contorting on the spot, yeah. and this kind of this massive bloke just kind of ripping his knees out to make the riff sound a bit heavier. Um, anyway, that's not, not the point. The shirt, basically... You know, that f- there's that famous fist clench in Pred- in the film Predator. Well, I, I read this when I was like looking at the articles for um, when they released the shirt. And I, yeah, I mean, I've seen that sort of image so many times, but I've never known what it's from because I've never seen Predator. Like, is it a sort of homo scene? Is that what they're going with here? I don't really think no, but it is. It is very. I mean, there is a. It's kind of difficult because it's it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? So it's right. Well, or one of them is he's he's not in two places at the same time, but it, obviously he has fucking stupidly large muscles because he wasn't yeah. an actor. He was a bodybuilder. That was his job. He as famous. There's this famous um, thing of of Emma Thompson on um, the Graham Norton show, who did a film with Arnold in the nineties. And they had a discussion about him, and and he said, and she said, oh yeah, it was charming. It was very very courtly in a kind of, you know, very formal Austrian way, kind of courtly, and and he was actually orange. And Graham Norton said, oh, <laughs> could he act? And she went, no, 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 no. <laughs> but he, but apparently he's quite honest about the fact he can't act. But he's a body. He because he's a bodybuilder. There is a certain kind of erotic charge. Of course, he was oiled to make him. Or was yeah. he oiled, or were they just sweaty? It was one of them. I, th- I can't remember. It's, it's quite early, but I don't remember it being that homoerotic. That f- that film is, I mean, far too stupid for that. I think it is. I mean, if if Alien has lots of subtext and and you know, is is really about you know male fear of pregnancy and class. And money and 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 uh, corporate greed over ethics and human life. Then Predator is about oh cool, there's an alien, let's shoot it and let's have guys with big muscles and massive guns. Yeah, I mean yeah, like regardless of sort of context, like like I said, I've seen the image plenty of times and it it does sort of it could almost be like a yes homo type thing in the fact that it looks sort of <laughs> yeah super masculine like they're trying to be, but it's like hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now it's it's a while since I've seen it, but I don't remember it being particularly kind of homoerotic on purpose. Mm. Apart from yeah. the fact there's two very muscular blokes who are sweaty, clenching fists. 
yeah, and then for Dillinger to go and sort of put the pride flag over that is uh, is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and the the shirt itself, it, it it the proceeds went to the Trevor Project. Uh, before I launch into telling the listeners who they were, did you know who that was in advance? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because the the although the Trevor Project is a a, a US run thing, the, uh, one of the times I became very aware of it of it was when. Uh, Rise Against did a song called Make It Stop, which was in support of the It Gets Better project. And the, the Trevor project got spoken about at the same time an awful lot. And because the, the the It Gets Better project is something that's very close to me and has helped me at various points, because they're kind of, they're, although they're not doing the same thing, they've got the same broad aim. Even though it's, I, I'm on the other side of the Atlantic, it, the Trevor project is actually something that I've had a, a large amount of affection for. Um, for anyone who, it, um, a lot of people in the USA will know this already, but everyone who doesn't know, there are a US-wide uh, charity that run a helpline um, for LGBTQ youth, so people under 25, and also run a bunch of other projects, all of which are aimed at supporting queer kids and particularly about preventing youth suicide amongst amongst LGBTQ youth. And while I don't want to dig into that in too much detail, both because it's quite upsetting and also because it's the kind of thing that discussing responsibly is requires an awful lot of preparation and it would have taken far too long for how long we're actually going to talk about it. Um, the rates of suicide amongst queer people and especially amongst queer young people are really, really bad. And it's kind of hor- that's a horribly upsetting thing. And for groups like the, the Trevor Project are incredibly important because they're a real resource in pushing back against that um, and so for Dillinger to support that you just go well that's the best thing because it's not just you haven't just like done a post on Facebook saying yay gay marriage or done a shirt which you take all the money from it was something that was done with the proceeds going to the Trevor Project <laughs> with the proceeds going to the Trevor Project he says choking on his lunch yeah and um like even for me, like I'm, you know, I'm not like in love with the band or anything like that. Like I seem to sort of like them more than you, but like I'm not like a massive, massive fan. But they always sort of came across as just like the coolest guys, like just like really genuine, good people. Yeah. So when this happened, sort of to see them do something else, it was just like, oh, there they go again, being awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, we've spoken before as well about um straight people who are allies like uh, some of that coming from personal experience rather than any other like uh, political ideations or anything like that and uh, I read that Liam uh, his mum has sort of been out pretty much his whole life so I sort of wonder if that could have been a sort of factor in his sort of such vocal support which is cool. They were quite vocal about that weren't they that they they wanted to make it clear that this is something that's to them is is personal it's not just Mm. conceptual it's not just hey we're liberals or anything like that. It's not it's not virtue signalling. It's saying this yeah. matters. Also, they they're literally putting their money where their mouth is, right? They're making they're saying here the money goes to someone else. <laughs> yeah, we it, we're not trying to make profits by courting the pink pound. We're trying to get money for to stop queer people dying. Yeah, yeah, completely. Did you see they had to um? Did they got. Oh, they got copyright hit, didn't yeah, they? That... <laughs> it was so stupid. Yeah, it sounds. Oh, I mean, we should probably not talk too much about the the yeah. legal thing because it's it's a headache and it's also <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get a, a 
expect a rude letter from someone's attorney. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not to go into it, but generally, like, if you're trying to do something for charity and to fucking, you know, support, like, gay kids, like, don't hit them with fucking copyright shit. Like, come on, just <laughs> let them have this one. <laughs> yeah, they ended up having to cede a load of the proceeds to yeah. to pay for the copyright, which, you know... I understand that if someone else is using your image to make money for a charity, that's that's not how things should work. But it, but you know, while that kind of whole thing did suck, just generally, Dillinger dealt with it in a really kind of cool way, and they were really they didn't kind of lash out. They didn't throw their toys out the pram. Oh. No, exactly. And from what I saw, the Trevor Project still got the same amount of money. To, to, for them that they would have had that not happened yeah so it's pretty cool yeah and you know you don't have to like the music to to think the band are awesome i've never had anything but a huge amount of affection for them as people i uh, think they, they this is another example of them doing something really cool yeah. well i think i th- i think we've gone over why that's a, a great thing to do uh if you are a queer metal fan by the way who's seen a band show their allyship in a way that mattered to you please do get in touch because we love doing these side-by-sides because they're so positive. But we are running a little bit low. Uh, we've, we've got a few. We're not completely out, but we, we'd we really like to hear what you've heard, you've seen and what you've taken to your heart. So if you have, if you are a queer metal fan and that's happened to you, DM us on social media. The, we're Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. Uh, you can show uh, we're not on TikTok actually, but I think that's because you know neither of us are under twenty one, so I don't <laughs> think we're allowed. Um, or you can email the show at uh, show at hbfm.co.uk, which is on your inbox. Uh, we will have more side by sides for you, hopefully in twenty twenty one, twenty two, also, or even in twenty twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to have any more this year. We march with confidence into the Hate Crew Gay Bar where we are having a Christmas party, but it fully complies with COVID restrictions and there will be no scandal this time next year. Normally, we're putting a new-ish release into the jukebox, but it's now well into December, It's so it's top 20 season. So what we're going to do is, is do ours, but rather than do a detailed run-through of each of our top 20s and take two hours for the Hate Crew Gay Bar, which you probably don't want to hear, Instead, we're just going to run down the list briefly, and then the highest-placed metal record that is yet to go into the jukebox will be entered into the jukebox, and we'll discuss that. If, by the way, you are interested in hearing us go through the list in detail, that's going to be the next HBFM special, which you'll be able to hear via NotFest Premium probably on Wednesday, uh, unless we've technical issues again, when it will be Thursday. And you'll be able to see that on our social media as usual. It'll also be on notfest.com slash hell dash bent. All that said, Matthew, would you please run us through your top 20 of 2021? Sure. So I've cut this um, rock and metal because uh, I don't want to be too obscure. But um, without further ado, my number 20 is Earth is a Black Hole by Teenage Wrist. Um, stadium-sized rock anthems with a classic sort of feel, short, concise, with choruses I've not been able to get out of my head all year. At 19 is Bewitcher with Cursed Be Thy Kingdom, uh, another classic-sounding album but in a completely different way. Blackened speed metal uh, I'll go with, with a dirty, dirty guitar tone and a croaked vocal that I'm obsessed with and would really like to see live. Yeah! 
Um, my 18 is Dreamwell, uh, modern grotesque, more in the wave uh, scene, reminiscent of bands like La Dispute and Touche Amore that I imagine Tom hates. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but with more balls and more bite than those sort of bands sometimes had. Um, Fair. Sad Boy Hardcore is back, baby. Let's fucking go. It's very Sad Boy Hardcore is a very good description. <laughs> um, 17 is Joystick. I can't take it anymore. Uh, this is the first time I've ever had something based in Scar in my album of the year list. Um, I don't quite know what's happened to me, but ranging from... Taking a time what? machine from 1998, judging by the sound of this. Fucking tell me about it, honestly. The ranging from Bobby McFerrin type whistling hooks to 30 second hardcore ditties, this is the most fun I've had with an album all year. Number 16, Ageless Oblivion, suspended between earth and sky, is the exception to my I like death metal to be fun rule. Um, this is. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. No, it's disgusting and bitter and heart wrenching, and I fear a lot of people have missed this, so go and rectify that. Number 15 is The Dirty Nil with Fuck Art. Is it fuck art or fuck art? Because what there's a really significant difference in where you put the emphasis in that sentence. Uh, I mean, there's a space, I think. So, <laughs> but you know, pop art has a space in it. Doesn't mm, it? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I just like the idea of artistic fucking. Never mind. Carry on. Released on New Year's Day, which uh, took some balls, I've got to say. But the Dirty Nil had the songs to give it the longevity that it needs to earn a place here for me. Uh, so much fun, good old rock and roll, and Dean Boy is quite possibly my most played song of the year. Number 14, Thrice, Horizons East. I never really liked Thrice as an emo band, but this new iteration of themselves over the last three or four records as a slightly more sort of indie-leaning alt-rock outfit is great, and this is, in my opinion, the best album of the lot. Number 13 is Carcass with Torn Arteries, like about a couple of weeks ago. 800 riffs per minute and the most memorable death metal for me of the year. Carcass doing Carcass is always going to be fine by me. It does indeed sound like Carcass. Number 12, uh, Majestic Downfall, Aorta. Horrible, doomy foulness that meanders and pulls from so many different emotions it somehow manages to make 20 minute songs seem accessible. Grim. Number 11 is Wolves in the Throne Room with Primordial Arcana. Uh, the masters of fireside black metal strike again with songs that make you feel all cosy whilst maintaining just an edge of evil. And I still can't believe that three people can manage to make this much sound. Number 10, shut up Tom, is Mill, Diorama. Um, luscious lead guitars and, in my opinion, clever repetition of parts to create a soundscape you can get lost in. And turns out it's a hell of an earworm too. Get in the bin. <laughs> oh, I thought I was going to make it through. Uh, number nine is Turnstile with Glow On. Um, pop hardcore, I think we're going with here. Time and Space was my number two album of the year in 2018. Unbelievably, I think this is better, but this year has been much stronger on the whole. Um, yeah, just hardcore that you can dance to, what's not to love, and it seems they are legit getting massive as well, which is great to see. Yeah, they really are getting quite big now. They're on fucking Seth Meyers this week. Mad. Yeah. Um, number eight is Urn with Serpent and Spirit. For me, the best straight old metal record of the year and one of the best debuts I've heard in a long, long time. No fucking around, no frills, just nasty riffs all over the place. Stellar songwriting and I cannot wait to see where they go next. Big future, in my opinion. Number seven is Sir Austrut with Abashi. Loved the debut a couple of years back after being so sad about Nagura Bunja. This is a massive step up. Um, the use of traditional yeah, folk instruments uh, playing such a big part 
complements the intensity of the metal beautifully and the production job truly envelops you and transports you to where they want you to be. And number six is Ghostbath with Self-Loather. It's horribly sad black metal with samples of screams and sobs just in case you weren't getting that message. Uh, neoclassical elements make this a varied but weirdly lovely ride in cathartic misery. Number five is Leprous with Ophelion. Mad that this is number five and the next four could have been album of the year as well. Leprous' most diverse and best album uh, with what may be the song of the year when on hold, even though I can't fucking listen to it. And then they decide <laughs> to go metal again for a bit, which is lovely. No, you can listen to it. You just cry at the end yeah, and the well, beginning. I cry the whole way fucking yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> um, number four is onto others with strength. Uh, somehow they have managed to follow up Manor. The diversity shown here, uh, with their most somber output as well as the most metal, takes them to the top of my list of bands who I need to see get massive. Goth metal should not belong in arenas, but I think this really does. Number three is Muni in it with differences in language and lifestyle. One of the most inventive albums I've heard in years from any genre. Elevator pitch for this one is impossible. Um, it uses prog, hip-hop, heartland rock, funk, and loads more to create something utterly baffling but genuinely breathtaking. I think you need to hear it to believe it. Two is Violet Cold with Empire of Love, which we will talk about in depth shortly after. Is Correct. That yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> and my number one album of the year is Can't Swim with Change of Plans. Which you tried to convince me was a metal record. I did not say that. I said it had more metal than pop, which it does. That's not true. Oh, come on. I was a little apprehensive with the singles, but this blew me away and has cemented Can't Swim as my literal favourite band in the world. Uh, it's rooted in punk, but taking a decent amount of outside influences, still lyrically depressing as hell. And every time I go back to this, which is very, very often, each song still hits so hard this many listens in. They've done it again. And there we go. Which, as Matt pointed out, the highest placed metal record is, of course, Violet Cold's Empire of Love, which, despite being side by side already, didn't actually get formally entered into the jukebox. But fuck it. Uh, it. The good news is that we get to talk about a record that both of us think rules. Uh, the bad news is that you now have to try and describe what this sounds like. Good luck, Matthew. Mm. Yeah, I sort of, when we did it as a side by side, I remember I just went off for like two or three minutes and I. <laughs> it was just like fucking word vomit. I don't know what I said because um, it was still very fresh, but I do remember saying that it was sort of felt like a spiritual experience the first time I listened to it. I went in basically blind and legit had to sit there for like 15 minutes after this album finished, and it still feels like that experience each time I listen. So I, I don't, I don't go back to this much. Um, I need to be in the right headspace. Uh, I don't, and I don't want to wear it out. It's probably my least listened to album on this list. Oh, but, really? Yeah. Oh, because it's one of my most listened to. Yeah, it's just it's just such a special thing that I I because like I, I don't want to wear it out. I don't want to just. I want it. I don't know. I want to give it time each time between. I want to give it sort of space to breathe. But he'll have another album out in about fifteen minutes. I mean, that's true. <laughs> That's partially why I don't. I'm quite happy to just to chew through it in exactly the same way <laughs> I did with Noir Kid because I know it's fine. There'll be another album in like mm. three months. It is genuinely one of the best things I have ever heard. Not to sound pretentious or ridiculous, but it sort of changed how I sort of think and feel about music and its boundaries generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> not okay. to be pretentious. I know it's changed how I think and feel about music. Me? Yeah, because I've never heard anything like this. Like. Sorry, that's okay. really funny. There's so much of this that I shouldn't like as well on paper, like all the fucking banjos and shit. There's the like the intro piece on this. I think it's track six. Um, 
where it's just an instrumental type thing. It's oh yeah, banjo ledge. Like what what is going on? Um, there's loads of like repetition, which I think makes it quite hypnotic as well throughout the album. You just get completely lost in it. Sorry, that's still tickling me. Getting lost in it is the right right phrase for me. It's it's just an album. Although there are songs there, it's not that there's kind of no melody or form or structure. It's just because it's all it. It's so many things all at once. It, one of two things was always going to happen. It was either going to be this absolute mind fuck that makes between the buried and me sound like you know, I don't know, Slayer, or it was going to be something where you just kind of fl- it, you end up floating through it, and it does. You just kind of get lifted up and you're hovering there and just kind of being gently taken along and actually quite sedate pace while lots and lots of things happened around you. Like it's like being on, uh, like if you've been in one of those kind of galleries where they project a lot of images onto the walls, they do, sometimes do it at museums and or art galleries yeah. and things like that. It, 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 it's like that where there's lots of kind of moving images, but you're actually quite still and it's all just kind of floating around you. And it's actually really peaceful and relaxing, which it, like it's a fucking metal record with with the underpinning in black metal and it's really relaxing and uplifting which sounds wrong but that's what listen to it's like i think yeah i completely agree um just like this like i said the repetition of there's like hypnotic lead lines all over the place and i love the different vocalists as well and i still don't know if it like he's drafted these people in or if they're samples or whatever because i don't really understand what this project is but i think that's sort of part of what makes it cool yeah the AI simulated music, I have no, yeah. idea, what no idea what, what, does, what that means. But it's whatever he's doing is fucking wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, like the, the, on Pride, um, with the sort of two vocal lines, like sampled and repeated, oh, I think, again, I think it's sampled and repeated over and over, but with sort of different things going on in the background and like incredible harmonies as well. It's, it is breathtakingly beautiful. And then that changes to a sort of different calmer part then comes back with the same lines in i think it's a different key i mean clever is an understatement like i, I yeah i'm I, how many listens in like i said probably my least doesn't do but still quite a lot but i still am trying to wrap my head around not just what's going on here but how like we said how he's managed to make it work i think it's because he's very very talented bastards <laughs> is my is the answer i'm going with it's oh, I cannot wait to see what he's going to do next. I th- I'm not sure whether I prefer this or Noir Kid. They're both fucking excellent, but it, they both kind of, despite both being immediately identifiable as Violet Cold, they are really clearly they, they have kind of they they have their own character and they have their own thing. And it's not just the fact that this is fucking Pride flag on the front. It's it is the way this. The, the kind of the euphoria it creates is just that much more supportive, whereas Noir Kid I think had kind of a few more lows throughout it, mm. deliberately but it's just, it's oh yeah, it's wonderful uh, Yeah, and I, I think it's amazing that there is an overall sort of vibe and atmosphere to this album with so much and sometimes like polar opposites going on, it's very cleverly wrapped up. Yeah, totally well, the absolutely wonderful Empire of Love by Violet Cold has been entered into the jukebox, finally. It's only taken us like six months to get to it, uh, which means it's time for my top 20, uh, which was, I'll be honest, an absolute slog. No, uh, not because it, I'm kind of short on stuff to put in, but because it's the first, time, first year I can remember where I've had so many things that I want 
I wanted in the top 20 that I just couldn't keep track of it. Um, I was at one stage going to include EPs. There were two EPs that went in my top 20, but it was just making it too hard to choose. So I had to leave them out and just say, no, right, stick to albums, Tom, stick to albums. And even with that choice, my list from like 21 to 40 would have been an incredible top 20. And there's a bunch of stuff that you had in your top 20, which was in my 21 to 40. And I was going, yeah, that's great too. Um, But my final top 20 is Kanoran Fieber, Menschen Müller, uh, mention Müller to uh, everyone who's not German, um, probably to people who are German as well, because that pronunciation was vile. Uh, a mixture of black and death that somehow manages to be both melodic and foul at the same time. It's uh, in German, based on poems and letters from soldiers on the Western Front of World War One. Catchy, impactful, and with real sticking power. 19 Sur Austru with Abashia, basically what Matt said, but also it, it's the thing that I keep taking away from it is it's so atmospheric. It really pushes my emotional buttons every time because of that really rich atmosphere. 18 Body Void, bury me beneath this rotting earth. Absolutely foul, sludgy doom, completely horrible, makes me want to break things and save the planet. Uh, 17, Diablo Swing Orchestra, Swagger and Stroll Down the Rabbit Hole. Matt's favourite. Bonkers, catchy. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Uh, It's bonkers. It's catchy. It's daft. It's like a crazy person did a metal version of Chicago. 16, Stormkeep, Tales of Other Time, which is a mixture of black metal and like dungeon-y synthy keyboard parts. Unbelievably fun. Very, very nerdy. 15, Silver Lake by Issa Holopine and Silver Lake by Issa Holopine and Silver <laughs> so Lake bad by they Isa. named it twice. <laughs> so, oh, no, so wonderful they named it about three times. Um, <laughs> it's a basically a, a metal musician from one of the guys from Amorphis doing a Issa Holopine uh, doing a melodic rock record with a load of metal singers. Uh, it's like a sunny summer's day somewhere a long way far to the north and it's gorgeous. 14, Unto Others, Strength, what Matt said, plus any metal record that makes me want to pogo, dad dance, and sing along is doing a really fucking good job. Uh, 13, Everdawn, Cleopatra, ludicrous power metal joy with belting vocals and a mass of ideas underpinning them that means it's not just fluff. Even Matt likes it. Yeah, I can confirm. Still slaps. <laughs> yeah, it really does, doesn't it? Uh, 12, Ageless Oblivion, suspended between Earth and Sky, which is also Matt's lift. So It's so expansive. It's so heavy. It's so emotionally charged. It took them six years to make, but it's well worth the wait. 11, The Ruins of Beverus, the fuel, the taller grimoire, sorry, it's German again. Uh, black, a sunless night, extreme mess, kind of black slash death, somewhere in between, uh, but very gothy metal. Uh, it's the, the fact that an album this good has not made my top 10 shows what a ridiculous year it's been for metal. You're number one at one point, wasn't it? It was my number one for quite a long time, and then just loads of stuff came out. 10 is Chemist Deceiver, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, epic, doomy, heavy metal. It sounds so effortlessly memorable and captivating that you might not even notice that it's really clever, but it's really clever. Uh, 9, Neurotech Solace. Symphonic industrial metal. It's like a cross between Within Temptation and a gay club for cyber goths. Uplifting and catchy. It's just great fun. Brilliant. Eight Panopticon and again into the light. Beautiful Americana black metal, kind of Appalachian black metal, I think is the tagline, isn't it? Uh, with a load of kind of post metal elements that he's worked in over the years. Uh, it's like a journey through winter into the spring. The last two songs are just kind of absolute uplifting, brilliant joy. It's savage, yet incredibly happy seven hellish form remains 
Willow Ryan, who was on the pod earlier in the year, is half of both this band and Bodyfoid, the only musician with two albums in my top 20. Willow's quite good. It's gorgeous, incredibly mournful funeral doom, agonizingly sad, hauntingly beautiful. Six, Violet Cold, Empire of Love. We just spoke about this. Five, Epiphanic Truth, Dark Triad, Bit of Psalms to an unmemorable title. Or actually, the Dark Triad, Bit of Psalms to a sort of species. Uh, twisted genre, bell ending, conceptual, extreme metal that fuses fucking everything. It's fucking uh, terrifying. It's you know, so good as well. It, thing, it manages to ramp your fury to its height and then let you just fall away to contemplate the horror. Stunning. Uh, four, Leprous Aphelion. No one makes you want to sing with your eyes closed like them. Emotional, heartstring, tugging, proggy joy. Three, Amon Ra Dederen. Uh This was number one for the longest fucking time. Chest-beating, reverie-inducing post-metal of the absolute heaviest, brutal kind. Spiritual destruction. Two, unrequited, beautiful ghosts. It's so fucking wonderful, I feel genuinely guilty it's not number one. <laughs> Euphoria-inducing music that takes symphonics and black metal and post-rock and takes you to the edge of tears before telling you it's all going to be all right uh, and that you can get through it. I love this musician. He is a genius. Uh, which means there is only one thing that could be number one. one only one possibility. You've probably guessed it already. My album of the year for 21 has to be Call of the Wild by Powerwolf. It is the best power metal record I have heard for seven years. It is absolutely absurd OTT fun. Every single song is superb. It's far and away their best record. Perfect power metal records are rarer than 13-inch cocks, but this is one. Absolutely magnificent. Even Matt likes this one too. It's converted me to a fan. I can't argue with it. <laughs> yeah. All of which means my entry for the jukebox this week is Stormkeep Tales of Other Time, which is, kind of, as I said, it's it's sort of symphonic black metal, but in the very old fashion, fashion sense of people started calling it kind of dungeon synth because the keyboards are kind of cheap. But it, it's got much better production than that, that implies. It is, it is aware it's 2021. They're not trying to pretend it's still 1993. Half the band, by the way, are in Wayfarer, who are this kind of black metal slash spaghetti western band. They sound like a kind of less intense version of Cobalt with a load of jangly piano saloon doors, uh, who I'm not a particular fan of, but I know Matt is a big fan of. Basically, they sound like a cross between Emperor, that Swedish band that I won't talk about, uh, and I mean, there's one bit that sounds like Slater Arctica, right? Which we'll get to. But the effect, basically is that it sounds like Winter Sun for people who would think Winter Sun are a bit silly. And it's so much fun. It's absurdly fun. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Um, all the keyboards and the organs and all the other you know, bells and whistles give this a real magical, mystical vibe. And I really like that. Um, I hadn't clicked with a couple of singles that I'd heard from this, but I gave it a go uh, because of who's in the band, essentially. And yeah, I really like this as a whole piece of work. I think I think it's a cliche to sort of say that singles sound better in context, but I think for this one, like it really does. It's a, it's a good whole thing. And the, uh, at first, I will kind of admit that I too thought it was just good, right? Because the opening is good, and Journey Through Storms really kind of pushed me into thinking, oh no, this is wicked. But it wasn't kind of, wasn't yet taking off. 
which is partially because it's quite backloaded. The second half, I think, is much better than the first. The first half is is really strong, but when the serpent stone comes in, that's the one where I just go, I think I love you now, because the organ part does sound exactly like a Sonata Arctica piece. I, like, and I'm sure they're trying to invoke Emperor, but it it does sound like power metal, and and then the guitar and vocals go off like I am the Black Wizards, and I go, if you're going to mix Emperor with Sonata Arctica, I am absolutely here for that. Here, take my money. Yeah, the serpent sound is wicked. It's got that like fun bounce at the start, but then yeah, it's the spoken word type thing that I can actually deal with. I can deal with it so much better than like what I said about rhapsody and stuff like that. And then like you said, you've got the power metal vocals, um, have the sort of bombast, uh, but they're not like completely over the top or silly. Here's the thing: I'm absolutely sure those vocals he's trying to invoke here, Sean, because there's some really empery bits on this, right? There are some bits we just go. That sounds exactly like that bit of Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk, or that sounds exactly like that bit of um, In the Night's Old Eclipse. But the spoken word bit, where he's obviously trying to invoke Ishan, which I think it's meant to sound a bit like Ian, uh, not Ian Trans Imperium, um, oh, Alsfartra, the Oath, which is the intro to uh, Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk. It's, he's, it sounds to me like he's trying to do that, and the clean vocals, he's trying to do a similar thing. But it sounds like King's the Carnival Creation by Dimmy Borgir, and the vocals actually sound, the clean vocals sound like ICS Vortex. And you know what I think about Dimmy Borgir. So if you're going to make me start thinking of that, I'm I'm so here for it. I love that era of Dimmu. I love yeah. all the eras of Dimmu except the debut. So, But yeah, that era is kind of specially special. I think I said to you um, that I nearly bought this on myself, actually, which is sort of not typically a me album but i listened to it no. the first time i was like it's a very tom album though isn't it it's <laughs> so a very tom album <laughs> you know when you um because obviously this is the only one i think in your top 20 that um we haven't sort of brought into the main show yeah. when, when you sent me the list over i was like yeah i'm not surprised to see that there at all no i kind of have had sucker for this written on my forehead like it is it, there is it isn't just me though it's kind of worth saying that there does actually seem to be a bit of a hype train going behind them because which of course immediately makes me quite skeptical because i always just go is this just a load of people in the underground wanting to sound cool and then i heard it went no no this is just good like that kind of uh, momentum they've got means that there are clearly a load of people who are with me. I'm not sure they're going to like the Winter Sun comparison because most of the people I've seen are mostly people who like really quite credible music, not mm. kind of finish Widdly bollocks with you know, 14 minute songs. Yeah, I, I'm not really familiar with Winter Sun. Oh, don't worry, they're coming up. Uh, there's definitely a Winter Sun <laughs> classic coming in the future. But for now, Tales of Other Time by Stormkeep has been entered into the jukebox. And while we will have some more unusual entries for the jukebox next week, for now, that is time at the Hate Cricket Bar. We finish, as usual, on a camp classic. And as promised last week, this one comes from one of our top 20s. Now, we did have one lined up from months ago, which we were going to use, but then Matt told me how many notes he had for it. (laughs) And we went, yeah, that's going to have to be a special uh, because it's way too long for the main pod. But it just so happens there was another really obvious choice. And as I just mentioned, Powell's is my album of the year. So Alive or Undead by Powell from Call of the Wild is a camp classic for this week. Remind me, Matt, how many Powell of tattoos are you currently planning? I'm not sure I'm at that stage yet, but I um I have sort of listened to their entire discography at this point. Um, I thought you might have some of it multiple times. <laughs> like, could I? 
they are very good. They do good. They do very good merch with one problem that loads of them have metal is religion on the back, and I go, no, no, it isn't. <laughs> metal is anti-religion. I mean, some of it is anyway. Some of it isn't. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not claiming metal is a religion because it isn't. So I not don't want to wear that on we, which is really frustrating because a load of their designs are really fucking cool. But it means I've only got like I've only bought like two of their t-shirts because I don't want that on me. Uh, anyway, that I've have diverted diverged really quickly. Um, obviously I've been very vocal about my deep spiritual, occasionally sexual love for Power Wars music. And as this is the album of the year, this should tell you how much I love them. But none of that tells you why this is a camp classic. Now, obviously, this isn't their first camp classic because Resurrection by Erection was a very obvious one in HBFM5 back in the Joe Narn days, uh, which uh, I'm sure Matt wishes he could have discussed. Probably won't be the last camp classic either because obviously. But Matt, have you been able to deduce, deduce anything from this that speaks to your queer side? Uh, and clear, please bear in mind the episode cannot be four hours long. Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, it's power wolf like we say um other yeah. than everything <laughs> yeah um yeah quite a bit uh i sort of generally see a message i won't i won't like read the whole lyrics because it's pretty much all of it um but, <laughs> yeah 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 it is but generally the sort of message of no matter what people maybe people that don't like us try to do queers are still going to be here and you're gonna have to deal with it and on the other, on not the other hand, but like another meaning is that whatever we face as a, <laughs> is that as a species, that's not the right word, <laughs> as a community of queers. Um, We're not a we'll separate sort of, species, man. <laughs> we'll sort of make it through um, anything, really. That's really interesting because that I immediately see, right? I, I can immediately even start thinking about different parts of the lyrics where I go, oh, yeah, definitely. That applies to that. I totally am with you, and that's not what I've got at all. <laughs> so let's go do yours first, and then we'll get to mine. Because I can think where you might be able to, about to take this, but I t I'm totally buying into this, and I want to hear more. Like, storms have gone and rain has fallen, and all our wildest prayers have been said. And the whole like, the pre-chorus, we fell to dust and arose from the graves. Like, sort of try and, try and knock us down, try and knock us back, whatever. Like... <laughs> I think a lot of like homophobes and shit sort of feel that their mission is to eliminate us and it's like physically can't work is it obviously these people I guess are the people that are thinking that it's a choice and whatever and that's what they're trying to change but anyone with like you know more than one brain cell who realizes that that's not how it works it like of course all their efforts are going to be completely redundant yeah because we come from everywhere we are from all peoples and all locations and all types of parentage. So you can't, if you were to get rid of all of us, like if we were to be all transported off to a, a separate island, which there, there is a certain small radical group of people who suggest we do, we, there would be another generation of us almost immediately. Exactly. Because we, we just we spring up all the time. So yeah, totally, that, that works for me. Interestingly, that chorus that uh, pre-chorus you mentioned is is kind of underpins where i went with this which isn't actually that now obviously we could i we could have both gone with the the fact that the song is like camper than the eurovision entry that's got enough glitter all over it to wipe out several dozen species right but th that would be kind of too obvious even for us 
the lyrics are all rooted in goth horror, right? Vampires is yeah, basically yeah. the moral of the story, which it's all metaphorical anyway. So you're already going to start looking for metaphors, which is possible. And anytime you've got metaphors that isn't absolutely obvious what it is, you know, anything that isn't kind of veering from metaphor into allegory, you're going to start interpreting metaphors based on your own experience and your own perspective. And because a lot of the goth horror stuff is quite overtly romantic or sexual or both, and because it's powerful as well, and you know, those two things, I think, well, I'm not sure about the romance. They may just talk about the knobbing bit, don't they? Um, knobbing. Yeah. The, the, well, <laughs> um, they don't put it any more, any less crudely than that, do they? <laughs> Given that they're kind of dangling that in front of us, if you pardon the expression, if you kind of say, here's a metaphor, and it's obviously talking about something sexual, I'm immediately going to go for the gay thing. And I just think that, that that it's kind of riddled with metaphors for queer experiences. That's one of them. And I could have seen that if I'd have looked for longer. But the one that I got was that it's quite a common experience for queer people to kind of leave an old life behind, whether that's leaving a, um, you know, a background where you're amongst people who don't accept you and you have to leave them behind to be happy or you have a, a difficult journey out the closet and you have to kind of leave that behind and kind of emerge as your as who you really are or or whatever you can kind of have you have the life and then you have the undeath in the context of the song so you have the you have, you have the start of life and then you have the thing that you are now and that's the thing where you're actually happy because obviously the song is from the point of view of people who are quite happy to be dead right they're like, we are vampires. We are going out and sucking blood, and we've we fought together, and it's great. So you know, where the the line we fell to dust uh, and arose from the graves, ignored the signs of the end. We dare to run with the wildest of wolves. Here we stand, yeah. in rise and fall. Praise the cross. So many years, the icon called, fought the sin and tears. Father, in those who are wild at heart, believe. Sorry, I'm, that was kind of inevitable. That I was going to break into song at one stage. <laughs> You could quite easily interpret that as we used to be held by the dogma of faith that made us feel sinful. Now we're free and off having fun with bears. Sorry, wolves. Not definitely wolves. Not bears. Mm. Except on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And it's it's the whole to try to stay believing that bravery reaps happiness, I guess. And, yeah. you know, your sort of journey to you know coming out of the closet or self-acceptance or whatever, you know, essentially just to be the person that you are and that you want to be just keeping believing because sometimes we need to that that is you know all going to be worth it in the end and so uh, you know you've got to take a leap of faith sometimes but that's how you get to where you want to be i guess yeah and you can also interpret the kind of the the, the all the stuff about you know, being together and standing together as, as you know you leave the the place where you kind of weren't you felt alone in or you were literally alone and you were uh, unhappy and you weren't made to you weren't accepted for who you are and then you find this wonderful community of other queers who do accept you for who you are which is one of the you know the nice things about the LGBT community standing together is that people do accept each other sometimes there are a few people who we don't really like who want to not accept others and of course there's there's always the judgy people on Grinder, but we don't talk about them uh, but that's another way you could interpret the same thing right yeah that's true um I don't think I actually said this to you at the time, but when we did the live show in Birmingham, um, it was obviously there was a lot of queers of all sort of different stripes there. Yeah, like I, I'm, I've not generally 
been in a lot of queer spaces in my life, even though, you know, I am queer. Uh, I've been in gay bars. That's about it. And usually, like, that doesn't count because everyone's pissed anyway. Like, it doesn't really, it's not, it's not really the same sort of vibe as going to an event like we had, which was about us lot, I guess. Yeah. And I did feel like it was very apparent, like, the sort of levels of acceptance and welcoming and just everyone just wanted to get on, I guess, because, you know, we have all been sort of ostracized and, like, having a space, which, you know, I hear all the time, but I think that was the first sort of time I'd really experienced that. It was really cool. Oh, that's wonderful. Because, I mean, it was very noticeable that across, you know, different parts of the LGBT community and different parts of the metal scene and across different age ranges, because we had some people there who were, you know, it was an it was an ab- it was a over 18s event, but we had a number of people there who weren't all that much over 18. And then we had some yeah. people who were clearly quite a long way past 18 <laughs> and quite a long way past my age as well. So yeah, the, that kind of the the range of acceptance was nice. And that's one thing that I kind of, t- you could kind of take from these lyrics. That's not the only ones though. Cause you can, there's also the, um, the bit where these things, times of pain and times of craving, craving, what the hell is craving Cra- times of pain and times of craving. And after all, let resurrect the dead. We will wait and we will save soon alive or undead which could quite easily be taken as I was desperate for someone that I could, you know, have some fun with. And then I gave in and started playing tunes of the fleshy clarinet and it's like my life started again. I'm sorry. <laughs> fleshy clarinet. Have you not heard that one? Do I just do I just have a bigger <laughs> catalogue of euphemisms than you do? Yes, but that is quite possibly my favourite, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll have to go looking for some more to see if I can find a better one. Yeah, I thought I'd misheard you at first. No, no, that's, that's, that is what he said, isn't it? <laughs> that's been said, and that's yes, that's exactly what kind of thing that Tom does say. <laughs> Honest, joking aside, one thing that isn't really spoken about because some people get quite uncomfortable with it is that the kind of the the no, you must not give into your sexual orientation. You must resist. You must abs- or abstain, hmm. unless you're asexual most of us are, are sexual beings right we are we are programmed and driven by our our genetics and by our hormones to desire and have sex and sex is a normal and healthy part of life and to tell someone that they can't have it with another consenting adult and should refrain from it is actually a really damaging thing to say to them you know isn't we're not talking about things like medical advice that says, you know, you, until that clears up, you need to refrain. We're not talking about that. We're just saying for you must never. It's a really cruel thing. And yeah, yeah. partially for the unwarranted guilt it provokes, but also because significantly you're telling someone they have to be miserable because that, because that will make you miserable, right? So yeah, from experience, that is true because I've spoken before about my uh, primary school being quite religious, and I sort of um, uh, was, I guess, you know, indoctrinated by that and sort of thinking certain things about myself. And then for many years after, sort of thinking that like whatever I would potentially want to do at any point in my life, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to. Was quite, you know, obviously I sort of got past it in the end, but it's that was a hard thing to do, you know. And that's, you know, without even, because if you're an adult and you're going through that, like if you have a long period of kind of either self-enforced or externally enforced celibacy from your actual sexual orientation, then that, you know, that's going to 
make you quite miserable. I mean, obviously, if you just go, if you're too much of an arsehole for anyone to actually go out with, that's on you. But if it's, you know, if it's people telling you, no, you must not, it is wrong, that's really cruel. There was a, um, there was a, 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 wonderful clip with an Australian from an Australian current affairs program where there was some kind of homophobic politician saying that gay people should abstain and there was a, a someone else who I can't remember if they were gay or not was saying you saying you're telling people they must never have sex or if they have if they have sex they can they can't have it with anyone they were actually going to fancy and and pointed out that it was the the person saying it had seven children <laughs> and you go would you like to go forever without that? Mm. Um, of course, which no one has an answer because there isn't an answer. The answer is just yes, they have to be miserable, which is you know Powell for saying well Powell for not saying anything like it. I'm interpreting Powell's lyrics <laughs> as kind of acknowledging that actually the other side is joyful and that you know good sex with someone who you like is kind of something that most of us think is a positive thing right i don't think that's a radical suggestion but if you but to homophobes that sounds like a mad thing to say anyway yeah they're weirdos though aren't they <laughs> yeah oh, very odd um why would you get so obsessed about something you don't want to have anyway it's long as that's a big divergence and um, that i think though is the queer side of the frankly ridiculously good alive or undead by power and can we say as well Best song on an album being the fucking ballad on a power metal record. Fucking hell. Uh, and it is the best song on the album. I just think it's an incredible song. Um, but that is all for HBFM 58. Uh, next week, we will have the second half of our chat with the guys from a gay or a non-gay. Uh, and believe me, you will not want to miss that. Because honestly, if you think me and Matt can bicker occasionally, Jesus. Uh, Dark Throne will be providing us a seasonally relevant cam classic in the form of Leave No Cross Unturned, because this is a metal podcast. Of course, it's Christmas. Turn those crosses upside down. Uh, and our visit to the Hate Crew Gay Bar will add some albums to the jukebox that we use to survive the festivities. And we really aren't going with similar approaches there. Uh, Matt, this has been great fun, though. Yeah. That was nice. I, it's my first ever, like, on-record album of the year thingy. It's a... Uh, oh. <laughs> They, they they get more annoying the more of them you do. I find this is not my first, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, I imagine though with like obviously the pandemic and like a billion albums coming out this year, <laughs> it was quite hard to to narrow it down. I've got to say. Yeah, that hasn't helped. Um, I've, I've heard rumours next year might be worse, but I, that might just be hype. Um, anyway, don't forget to keep an eye out for our end of year special if you do actually want to hear us talk about top 20s in more detail. But until next week, listen to Violet Cold, listen to Stormkeep, and remember, it does get better. I'll feed us in. Goodbye. Me saying something in German really threw you there. You must be used to it by now. Um, I was trying to think of something else German to say, and it's, it's all it's all disappeared from my head. <laughs> and all you could hear was "hurdy gurdy." <laughs>